Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Streaming services are on the rise, and -and brick-and-mortar video stores are a thing of the past. We have lost that experience of wandering the aisles and stumbling upon a film we've never heard of. We have replaced the familiar face behind the video store counter with an algorithm to recommend films. With more and more content available, 
it's harder to know what's worth watching and what might be a waste of your time. There are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered, and we want to help you find them. This is Trailer Rewind, a podcast where we discuss and review recently forgotten or overlooked films that are now available to stream at home. This month on Trailer Rewind, we are looking at two films about tragic singers. In today's episode, we're going to discuss Vox Lux. It's a weird world we live in. And the way I've chosen to live my life... Please don't fall. ...goes against some people's views on things. Do you mind if I get a quick picture with you? Mom, I'm worried about you. You're worried about me. All that matters is that you have an angle. It's simple. Today is March 13th, and Vox Lux is available on Hulu. This was a film that was released into theaters on December 7th, 2018. Opened small. JJ, on six screens this time. Okay. Six screens still. We, we're hitting six. like s- single digits Making here. That's how these things go. Uh, <laughs> but following week, boom, up to 325 screens. During its one month, it's whopping one month in theaters, it made $725,000. So that was domestically another 500000 globally. So yeah. one, one and a quarter million dollars. And I think its ad budget was probably over a million dollars oh, because yes. I remember it being promoted as definitely a, the kind of film that would open on more than six screens. Oh, you well, know what I mean? You've got Natalie Portman and Jude right? Law. Executive yes. producer. Oh, yes. So, Natalie Portman, executive producer, Sia. Yes. Executive producer Jude Law. This is yes. their movie. They they put it out there. And it was in theaters for a month. And then March 5th, 2019, disc and digital. There it goes. So, yeah. yes, I think definitely a disappointment in the box office. I Well, let's, let's talk about, was it a disappointment for you? Yes. It was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be political about it, but I, I, I would say that, you know, I, I'm talking about that, that ad budget, and I was excited yeah. about seeing it. If, wow, it's such a different movie. It's it. I don't even. It's not really even a movie. It's kind of like a poem. Okay. It's just yes. It's uh, you know, and and we're gonna get into so much when we get into right. the show and talk about the way that it was executed and all this stuff. But it's really different. It was marketed as a very straightforward film. It didn't allude to the fact that it's going to be executed in a way that's different than anything you've ever seen before. And there's very few movies that I've seen that even kind of try to do things the way this movie is done. So. For anything, I would talk about, and and in general, I wasn't super happy with the execution. And I love all those people that we just mentioned that are in this movie, first of all. So I definitely believed that I was going to see this in the theater. I didn't for whatever reason. And watching it now, I'm kind of glad that I didn't because it's definitely not what it was advertised to be. Well, I did. I did see it in theaters. I went and saw it. Oh, you did? Oh, wow. Yeah, my brother and I saw it in the theater. There was one, maybe two other people in the theater when we saw it. And oh. yes, I think a lot a lot of people may have been thinking this was, oh, this is another type of a Star is Born story, but with Natalie Portman sure. and this, you know, dynamic pop singer and all of this. And in the trailer, you see it's, oh, this she and Jude Law and anxiety and all these things and what's going on. And yes, this is one of those, I feel like 
they were challenged with how to market this film because if you tip your hand about what this film is really trying to do, you're not, people are not going to want to show up for it. And so I think word of mouth got around that this was a bad movie because it was the promise one thing delivering something else. Right. And even if it had been promoted as what it was, I think the audience that is going to be drawn to this movie still may may struggle with it. Because when I got out of it, my brother and I talked about it. So we just, for us, we didn't have a strong sense. We're like, I'm not sure what this movie was trying to do or say. And that's the the biggest struggle. And some people... Big time. Big time. That is that is yeah, exactly where, right. the, where, the, where the movie fails. If you enjoy like a puzzle box kind of movie, trying to, to piece together things, this might be your thing. If you don't want to grapple with a movie... This is not going to be for you. That right. that's pretty much <laughs> what I can say about this one. However, there are moments that work for me really, really well. And when it's working, oh, yeah. there are parts that are really powerful, and there are other parts where I just don't know where there was a disconnect between concept and execution, or or, or why things may have played out the way they did. But yeah, this was one of these, I want to love this movie so much more than I can. I feel like it deserves more, but it continually sort of defeats itself. Now, on the second viewing, I did gain some insights, and we can talk about those on the show. But again, that I wouldn't wish a second view. I'm not going to say, watch it, be disappointed, and then force yourself to watch it a second time. I'm not going to wish that on anybody, unless you have lots of time on your hands, or you're just one of these people that want to really embrace a challenge. And don't watch the movie for a story about music. No. And don't watch the movie for a story about even, you know, we're putting it in our tragic singers category, but that's not really what it's about. I think the best case scenario for a movie like this is like Requiem for a Dream. Oh, okay. Where it's, it's meant to be something that's extremely artful and something that challenges you and challenges you the, the way you think about um, certain things that you, that you may experience but not know a whole lot about. Unfortunately, it's really not up to the caliber of Requiem for a Dream. So it's kind of reaching for those things in an art house way. And like you said, there are some inter- really interesting moments. But for you as an audience member to enjoy this movie, you have to be able to ap- appreciate those moments and let the things that kind of uh, are a little bit weaker in execution, just let them go. And that's why it's going to end up much lower on my ratings because of that, because it just doesn't execute in the way that I would hope for it. So how low did it end up on your list then? Uh, pretty low. Um, okay. it's, it comes in at 200 out of 228. Okay. And that's just below The Dark Tower, which, I mean, it wasn't a great movie either. Uh, and just above Oz the Great and Powerful. And it's, you know, when I talk about stars with it, I, 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 again, this whole thing of, I love everyone that's in this movie. I wanted to like it so much. I, I kept trying to pull for it, but it ends up like a 1.5 for me because of that. The big point that you mentioned of, if you're really trying to connect with this movie emotionally, it's going to be very difficult to figure out what emotion you're leaning towards. Yeah. And that's something that's always difficult for me in a movie. How was it for you? Well, like I said, I think it benefited from a second viewing. Good. So it ended up right there with Wild Rose in my flick chart. It was oh. they're both in this weird place of they make it above the top half and then they just kept getting knocked down because for whatever reason I think I can't remember what it was at my my midpoint but it's just something that is one of these movies that just didn't have some clarity to it and I thought both these films know what they want to be and they, I had a stronger sense of that and I said well then it's better than that. Yeah. But so they ended up like right next to each other 
So actually, I ended up with Vox Lux slightly above Wild Rose. Okay. Because I, I, I'm, I'm giving it three and a half stars. I'm giving it an extra half star for its ambitiousness and, and its opening. And because it, when it's really yeah. strong, it's really, really strong. And so, but I will tell everybody to take that with a grain of salt because if you just say, <laughs> oh, Steve says it's three and a half stars. Oh, no. And that's, you just. And also, <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie and based on this, you go and watch it and then you listen to this back and you hear Steve say, I gave it more credit because of the opening. Yes. I want to hear from you directly. Please yeah. write us. Come to our Discord channel and tell us what you think of the opening. <laughs> When Steve says that that's what made him like this movie more. Because once we get to the spoiler section here, we're going to talk about that darn thing for sure. So in terms of the communities out there, Letterboxd, it's a 3.21, so lower than Wild Rose was. Yeah. Nearly, and it had 25,000 reviews. So over twice as many. It was definitely more visible as a film. So that More visible, more mainstream in its marketing than Wild Rose was. Right. So... Uh, but over at Flickchart, 126 people have ranked it about 2,000 2, times, but two people have it in their top 20. I wonder if those two people also have high life, high life <laughs> in their top 20. I, I, I will be curious. Possible. It's, pos- it's possible. It's possible because, again, these are really, yes, I think, artful, ar- artful yeah. and somewhat alienating of the audience in some yeah. ways. At it's, times. It, sure. At times, Yes. So, listeners, if you if you think this is your kind of film and you don't want anything spoiled, this is your chance to pause the podcast and go check out Vox Lux on Hulu. So, JJ, we, we have to talk uh-huh. about the start of the film because this... Okay, so when you say the start, yes. I want to get into this like right away. Okay. So when you say the start, yeah. what are you talking about? Are you talking about the credits rolling before anything starts? I'm talking about everything leading up to those credits, that whole opening sequence leading to those that, those opening scrolling credits. To me, that was like an amazing short film. Okay. A very short film. My my wife was furious Wait, with which, me. Which, what what are you talking about in particular when you say that? I'm talking about so as I was watching this, my my wife's watching from across the room. She's working on a little project, and she so she's yeah. watching, and she's starting to get drawn into it. And then she says, "Why, how, why didn't you tell me there was a school shooting in this movie? What is wrong? I was not prepared for this." Wait, so so I'm remembering that incorrectly then. So okay. The, the school shooting happens before the credits roll at the beginning. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So so what I was remembering, and and this is wrong, okay. but was that the credits rolled and then they said the prologue or the beginning card uh-huh. comes up and then they did the school shooting. But yep. I, I must have that wrong. But that okay. You said it's a wonderful sh- short film. The school shooting was. It was. It's intensely graphic. It's in- and very yes. realistic. Yes, and I thought it it worked and terrifying. Yes, and I think that's what he was going for, and I think he accomplished that in, really, in really well. Seven minutes. Yes. Yeah. If that. Yes. It's it sets up everything. Of I mean, this is the the the, the challenge. Of this movie is that it's going to be. It starts off so strong with something that is so strong. So when you strong, say strong, yeah. you mean intense, right? Intense, emotionally. Okay. I mean, I was in the theater. I was just on the edge of my seat, and I was just. Of it just my heart is racing, and I thought, "What yeah. is going on?" As all this comes together, because it's the camera, the way it's shot, is just very much. We're going to put the camera here, and we're we're these observers of something happening, playing out very realistically something that happens 
a lot in this country, something that people are familiar with. And to just see it so bluntly displayed to us yeah. was was shocking and unexpected. And I thought, where is this going? And so it's... So you start the movie with a sledgehammer to the face. Yes, exactly. Yes. And I will say, I, I want to highlight a point that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. This for Most of this movie is shot very beautifully. Most the, the camera yeah. is used very well throughout this movie. Oh yeah, in really special ways. Uh, motion control, in particular, the stuff that they were doing with the camera mounted on all different kinds of things to show path and to show moving down the road and all these like really beautiful stuff. Some and you know I'm a veteran of that, so I'm I'm a big fan of it when it's done well in movies. But gosh, that sledgehammer to your face! Yes, holy cow! <laughs> and it- what else are you gonna do? Well, then at that point, dramatically, yes. What else are you going to do? You gonna, what are you going to do? And so, this is where I wondered why is this important to the character, right? How is this, okay. you know, why do we need to see this? Because this is something that's going to be very traumatic, unsettling for a lot of people. So, is it essential? Is it crucial to the story? And that's on my first viewing, that's what I struggled with a lot of throughout the film. What, you struggled with that from the Yeah, how does this? And then we, yeah. when we get to the point where when we jump forward to 2017 and Celeste, you know, on her little, she's got her concert tour starting and then there's this this shooting. The gunmen are wearing masks from her video from back in 2001. And I, it's like, okay, we're, we're trying to establish this connection. There's another shooting. And nobody, it's, it's not clear in the story if there is any connection at all, if these were just random masks that they picked up or are they trying to make a statement. That is never clarified for us. And so I thought, Okay, so we've got a shooting at the beginning. We've got another shooting. We know what the, how the first one connects to Celeste and how it's really crucial in launching her career. So then I was wondering, is this one going to be the end of her career? Are we seeing her downfall? What is this? And I, I really struggled to see what the film was trying to say about the violence of shootings and this pop star and how are they connected or interrelated to what extent? And that's where I I struggled. So did you get some revelations or some insight to that on the second viewing? So I did a little bit. And then I did I did a little, as I was looking around, I did find the director's statement from from Brady Corbett. And this was, okay. he, he, has direct, he had directed a previous film called The Childhood of a Leader that was set in Europe in the early part of the 20th century. In his statement, he says, it examined key events that would go on, often inadvertently, to define the era. It featured a young protagonist who was witness to the atrocities of an epoch, only to become a cause of them for the next. Hmm. So basically, he say the, the it's basically how you're looking at a person's life, how the events we experience become part of us, and how we then sort of echo those in our life later on. Trauma. Yes. And he said, uh, so Vox Lux is a continuation of that theme, but on the other side of the century, a historical melodrama set in America between 1999 and 2017. And its protagonist is a pop star called Celeste, and it chronicles key events and cultural patterns that have so far defined the early 20th century via her gaze. Okay. So it gave me a little I mean, bit that, of that something. sounds like a lot of great words. Yes. <laughs> but that's not really... What's there? No. I, and that's why I thought, okay, that tells me what he's trying to accomplish somewhat. Right. So then I think for me, one of the key, because there are, there are moments in the act two and three that echo back to act one. So in act one, which is Genesis right. 2000 to 2001. So we have that really brutal, violent school shooting. And then what we see is then, you know, Celeste going through rehab, 
She composes a song with her sister. Because, wait, we should say rehab because she was shot. She was shot, the neck. Sh- shot through the neck. So yes. she needed to learn how to walk again. Yes. Rehab, she painful rehab. To, yes. Right. This kind of rehab. And it yes. was, yeah, there was a lot spent on that. So then there's a memorial service for the victims of the shooting, and she sings this song at that memorial. And our our Willem Dafoe narrator, oh. <laughs> which is another device. Love I, his voice. Love his voice. Yeah. I don't know if he was necessary, what the, that function was, but. Tells us that, that that song, she changed the lyrics from I to we, and the country sort of identified with this, and it, it launches her career. Basically, Jude Law you know, is her agent, manager, and works with her. She does this whole first album. That's really act one is young Celeste and going from this one song to basically working her way through into getting into the industry. So Celeste is so confusing to me. Okay. Because I don't know... So, and this is a tribute to Sia. Sia wrote all the music yes. for the movie, which is great. And she's extru- she's one of the most prolific pop writers of our time, right? Yes. Of today. And she does an amazing job of writing both immature new music here and then mature pop music towards the end is kind of what we're seeing here. But I don't understand from the film if we're supposed to feel like Celeste is A, a phenomenal singer, B, a phenomenal business person, which they touch on through the narration as well, and see whether or not this is a amazing transformation that we should be cheering for her or something that we should be gawking at and kind of uh, terrified about, right? Because right. it's this pop thing. And I think that when you read to me the, the director's statement that you talked about, I feel like he had a specific thing that he wanted to convey. But I was confused whether or not she is a product of the system. The system is a product of her. It, it, it was very confusing to me whether or not I'm feeling sorry for her or I'm cheering for her throughout. Is that the point? Well, for me, on the second viewing, there was a scene that really stood out. Once I know the whole arc of everything and what's coming in, what holes I felt still need to be filled in as I watched the second time, a scene that really stood out as this, oh my gosh, so many pieces pivot on this scene. And it is when it's young Celeste and they, they, they're they back. She's going to be shooting her video. She's at a concert and she meets this guitarist singer from the band or whatever. And they're spending time together. And it's just the two of them like laying down next to each other. And they're talking about music. And it starts off where she says that he plays the type of music that the boy who attacked her listened to. You make the same sort of music the boy who attacked me used to listen to. Does that remind you of him? It did, just this moment. I hope that doesn't upset you too much. It doesn't. I think that when you meet someone who's going to become an important figure in your life, that may force us to look back at the past so we can get him with the future. It's all. My defense. Maybe it was the thing that pushed that kid off the edge. Or maybe it was the only thing that could have saved him and all those other poor kids. Anyhow, I'm glad I'm already important to you. I don't like to think about it or talk about it. Why would you? I mean, 
What is there to talk about? That's what I love about pop music. I don't want people to have to think too hard. I just want them to feel good. And it's that final line of, I don't want people to have to think too hard. I just want them to feel good. When I heard that this second time, I thought, this is Celeste escaping the pain from what she survived and all of that. And then jumping forward, I think it's basically this commentary on we as a society embrace these things as a distraction, despite all of the horrors that go on around us. So we have this other shooting again, and she decides she's going to still go on with her concert. And everybody's going to be there, and they're going to have a good time, and this horrible thing has happened, but we need to forget about it and just feel good. And to me, that's what I think. Is she the protagonist? Celeste? Who's the protagonist in this movie? Yes, she is. Uh, okay. So that's that's what she's I've, terrible. That's what I've pieced together. So she's terrible throughout. Yes, isn't she. Yes. I mean, yes. Oh, yes. She is, and that's. I mean, that comes in uh, later. I think to get into true spoiler territory, if we're going to talk about yeah. the end, so we're we have Act Two, Regenesis, which we sort of catch up it's a lot of catching up with celeste as far as what she's become because i think what i see as celeste in act one is this young kid who is going to school but seems to be smart talented as she's working through this whole thing with her agent she seems like she's got a good head on her shoulder she seems like a bright kid that has a clear picture of what she wants by the time we yep. catch up with her in act two our mysterious narrator gives us some ad- additional information and it's for me, the the key moment is Celeste and her her daughter, which we'll we can talk about casting the daughter in a, oh. in a second. Uh, so it's yeah. so it's Natalie Portman is Celeste and her daughter go for a walk to to get out of the hotel to just go to a, a diner, and Celeste and her daughter are just talking, and then Celeste just sort of like goes off, like rambling and and about how things in the world have gotten worse, and that basically we've all agreed to forget the past. Hey. What can I say? You know, your Aunt Ellie has too many scruples, and sometimes life just isn't that fair, especially not nowadays. You know, now people will try and sell you anything. A TV monitor, the plain as day looks like shit, but they tout it as ultra, mega, triple, high def, whatever. Their business model relies on their customers' unshakable stupidity. And deep down, we probably sense that, their their intimate knowledge of our commitment to the lowest common denominator. It's the official manifestation of the increasingly important urge to break with every living thing that has some connection to the past. What? You know, when we weren't paying attention, everyone got together and they voted. The traditions of the past are ugly. The past reeks too much of ugly old people Mom's got to stay fresh. Okay. You know, I'm pretty sure that every year my videos keep getting worse and worse, but they're doing better and better. I showed me this perfume thing we shot last year where I'm unfurling from a digital rose petal like Thumbelina, and I thought it would ruin me, but here I am, opening for 30000 Mom, what are you even talking about? I'm letting you in on a little secret because I love you, that's what. It doesn't matter anymore if you're Michelangelo or if you're Mike Angelo from New Brighton. All that matters is that you have an angle. And Aunt Ellie never found her angle. And then she decided to go get jealous of my good fortune. 
She made her own choices. And let me tell you, she could never do what I do day in and day out. But luckily, she gets to go home to you every night, and she doesn't have any real-world responsibilities because I finance her entire life. Quiet. Don't tell me to be quiet. No, I don't mean it like that. Isn't that your song? Yeah, I'm sorry, Uncle. Yes, I'm going to turn it off. So it, it ends with the music invading in the diner and that sort of breaks things up. But Celeste, is, is, she seems like such a shallow person now. Yeah. Like she's gotten, right. she's gotten dumber. Yeah. You just like, where is this well, shrewd businesswoman? Right. You know, that's the, the point that I want to yeah. make is that I think she was shallow throughout. Okay. I think she's a flawed martyr okay. in this story. Right. She's a martyr because she went through this, this tragedy right. and then she capitalizes on it in a way that we never feel comfortable about as an audience member. Right. And she doesn't ne- and you don't necessarily have a reason to root for her and she's not necessarily particularly any good and she's conti- <laughs> yes. she, and she's embracing a sleazy and terrifying oh. and terrible industry. Yes. And so at no point I mean maybe the whole thing is a commentary about how crappy the music industry is and i I swear i think we've done many movies (laughs) about how terrible the music industry is so maybe there's something in that but the point is i i just don't if she's a flawed martyr i don't understand the protagonist i don't understand the story arc it's not and i started off this before we started talking about spoilers that i think this is a poem i think this is the kind of art that's supposed to make you feel confused Mm-hmm. And it succeeds at that. It just wasn't. That's not what I go to the movies for. Unfortunately. No, no. So the the other piece that stood out for me is so at the end we we as the con- we were sort of nearing oh, the end of the concert yeah. footage. We get Willem Dafoe giving us some some crucial information that's been missing for yep. the whole story, which is that on the day she got shot, Celeste went into this dark space or what this this place of color between light and darkness and and met the devil and basically. Said, right. basically made a deal she with the to devil. The crossroads. She went to the crossroads, yep. made a deal to come back. And yep. what's interesting is I knew that was coming, but when you, it actually shows up in act one, right after the shooting happens and Celeste's in the hospital, there's a scene where she's there with her sister. They're on the bed, you know, playing around with the keyboard and the, the parents go to leave or something. And Celeste turns to her sister and says, oh my gosh, I think I've done a horrible thing. And then the scene ends. Oh, yes, yeah, she does say that. Yes, and you're you're thinking, what did what's a horrible thing could she have done? And, and I'm realizing, oh, she sold her soul. That's what she did. <laughs> That's the horrible thing she did. Is she realized? I think she's got some survivor guilt now. Of yeah, well, okay. In this this moment, I made a hasty decision, and so I don't know. Again, it's not clear to me. It's not like oh, it all clicks it into place now. Story. It could be that story, but it doesn't it could come be the through. Story. Of the crossroads, right. because I mean, then we get to her having her uh, drug-addled binge with yes. Jude Law, yeah. and some really uh, totally uncomfortable because we've lived this story with you know her as a little girl yeah. and how they're going through it, and she's a sloppy mess as she makes her yeah. way to the stage for her big regenesis concert, yeah. and of course, once she gets to the stage, she's fine. So that maybe it is the story of. Unholy, yes, it, <laughs> unholy it, power. It, it could be, and that's the only thing I I can think is okay. She's now her role is to be the distraction from all the evil that's creeping into the Ugh. world. But right. it, again, it's not spelled out clearly, and the movie just sort of ends. And it even as I break it down, sort of into the the three acts. I mean, act three is just a concert. There's no 
plot or character moments. There's nothing that I could get out of the feelings were meant to feel during the concert. She's lip syncing, which is appropriate. Right. I mean, for the genre, for the genre of music, it's appropriate for the movie. She's the dance and stuff. Right. But it never really connects. And the music is all pop music. Right. Very, unless you're deep in it, you might not have feelings with it, but it's not particularly um, renewing. It's not particularly redeeming. You don't feel. I had no idea what to feel in the entire third act. Yes. I was completely lost. Yes, I was. I was right there with you that first time. I I love the soundtrack. I will listen to it over and over again. Sia has done. Oh. I mean, she's an amazing musician. I love she's these great. songs, yeah. and I, I'll put them on, and I will listen to this stuff. But there's nothing to them, and so that's the thing. No. Is I I that first time watching, I'm thinking, it's no elastic heart, right? Is there no chandelier? Is there is there something <laughs> in these lyrics that's telling me is she sharing some something? And it's no. It's just. It's right. just pop. It's again, yeah. it comes back to I don't want you to have to think, just want you to feel good. So I'm gonna sing these songs. They're it's not about line. anything important. That's it. My my babies, but then what's my the angels. Message of the movie. Right. Like, I get that. And it's yeah. consistent. Yeah, yes. these are all positive things about the movie. But the in it execution do- it as doesn't. a viewer, yes. it leaves you alone. Yes, it does. It leaves you in a cold, isolated, lonely place, not knowing how <laughs> to feel about what you've just seen, other than right. Wow, there's horrible things. She's not a good. I mean, so many horrible things about Celeste. The the drinking that she's whatever. She's blind in one eye. The car accident. All, behavior I mean, with her sister. Behavior with her, her sister. Be- yes. Mm. I mean, I. And again, there's. I appreciate some of the smart things. I thought for me, I thought it was really. I, I don't know. I don't want to say clever or whatever. It worked for me to cast the same actress that played young Celeste. What? As Celeste's no. daughter. I liked that. I, okay, I so like how that. long? Okay, then then I have to ask you if that's the case, because okay, I get why it would be okay. Yeah, but how long did it take you to realize that we're now talking about Celeste the mom and Albertine the daughter? Because I was so disoriented <laughs> after we come into Act End of Act or Act Two, right? And they yeah. are saying Celeste, Celeste, Celeste. We yeah. have Natalie Portman now for yeah. the first time in the movie, and then Natalie Portman walks into the lobby, and here's the girl who's been Celeste the entire right. first half of the movie. No, like, I, I I didn't know what I was oh, doing. I was okay. like, wait, did I get that wrong? <laughs> no. See, I caught it. And I, I know where the confusion comes from because... It's the sister. Because the sister they didn't... Because, yes, past. yes. Uh, Eleanor, the sister. The exact same. Stacey Martin, who plays Eleanor, yes. is Eleanor was, <laughs> you know, in 2001 and 16 years later, she doesn't age. She's like Paul Rudd, right? She just doesn't age. <laughs> Still looks good, maybe a little bit older. Yeah, but to have young Celeste and then Celeste's daughter, Albertine, played by the same actress, for me, it, it was... Again, perhaps that that poetic metaphoric side of like an echo of Celeste or Celeste sees herself in her daughter and wants something different for her. Again, all all and these things that I'm putting on myself, there's nothing there's nothing to indicate anything, any any rationale, reason what they're trying to say by doing any of this because it's like he's playing his cards so close, you have no clue and there's not it's enough. It's just confusing. Yes. I, I mean, if I had three words to describe this this movie, it was odd, it was tragic, and it was confusing, which none of the, I mean, I don't have a movie that I really like that has those three words <laughs> attached to it. <laughs> Individually, those three things do fine for yeah. me, but it's just, and again, I like everyone involved. It is high art. You know, we talked about High Life, you yeah. know, a number of shows ago. It it's it, This is high art too. And there there are people, there are two people that have it in their top 20. There are people that are going to appreciate the unsettledness that this movie is going to leave you with, but it is not the kind of movie that is a direct piece of uh, art in any way. You're not, you have to do the work 
as an audience member to figure out what you want from this movie. And that, and it just didn't work for me, unfortunately. No, I, I agree. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Terrence Malick and people say like his movies make no sense and it's nonlinear, whatever. And it's poetry and all that. And I agree. And I love it because to me, he knows how to do that. And he does it very yeah. artfully and, and very well. And he's a brilliant filmmaker. Brady Corbett, I think, bit off more than he could chew. He was trying to do some things. And again, he, he was reaching. And I, I will always favor that saying, I'm glad you, you strove for something. And I see hints of yeah. it. it. To me, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't pretentious. It was, he was striving to do something. And it was, he just didn't have, you know, again, it's that issue often I see with a writer director. You know, I'm directing the script I wrote, so I know what is in my head as the writer. Right. And so as a director, it's so many of the pieces may have already, he thinks, are there, and we're just not seeing them. Well, and he's directed three three features. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, so. in one short. and But he's he's all over the industry. He's done lots of acting. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, he was in 13. He yeah. was in, you know, Force Majeure. He was, he's yeah. been in a lot of stuff. It's just as a director and as this piece, you know, you, yeah. I'm glad he's taking risks. Like, keep, keep taking risks. This is great. But yeah. this one, this one's a challenge. It's just a challenge. I don't know anybody that I can imagine. I'd struggle for somebody to say, oh my gosh, this is a perfect movie. It works so well. I, I mean, there's, no. there's clearly some people out there. But for me, there's just so many disconnects along the way where I, I just can't see where it comes up. So comparing this to... Wild Rose. So we're wrapping this up on, you know, the series. Yeah. I always want to sort of look at, at the two of them together along alongside of them. I understand why you put them in a category together. However. They, they both have issues. One is definitely more, more <laughs> no, one is definitely more mainstream appealing is very safe film. Another one is taking all kinds of risks and fumbling all over the place. Yeah. But the, in both cases, I think we agree it's really about the character versus the music. In yeah. both of them, the the music is there to add atmosphere, but it's really about yeah. the journey these these two women take. And again, it's the mother daughter, you know, mother family relationship. You've got one that has a a strong sense of family that you know they Rose struggles with it, but they redeem it at the end. With Celeste, it's just she's got walls up all around her. She's a, a mess. I can't say her daughter with her relationship is redeemed by the end. I think you know, no. there's it's just we got a slice out of Celeste's life. And I. Th- right. this is, I think, the problem is with Wild Rose, we, we get a sense of where things may be for her down the road in a few years. Of like, she yeah, we went cont- on a journey with Rose, Rose Lynn, for sure. With with this, we were more just... We get this piece? We were piece? more just looking through, right. looking through the window at what was happening to, uh, to Celeste. It, exactly, because this is the start of her tour. Will she be the same at the end of the tour? Probably. Is with she- the help of the devil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and that's where I, as I said, with, with Wild Rose, I can get this sense of, you know, even though we said it didn't happen on, on screen, there's a pivot to this character. She's learned something and she's growing and we, there's some reward to that. With Celeste, you know, we have a narrator that's having to tell us a lot of things about Celeste yeah. and what happens to her because we're getting these fragmented pieces of a story. Here's 2000, 2001. And oh, okay. So, Here's what happened with her and her sister, and they their personalities sort of diverged off in extremes in different directions. And 
Right. The narrator is essential to the screenplay here. He's doing so much work. Kind of yeah, unfortunate, too. Ex- exactly. Yeah. But yeah, we have no sense of what's happened in those intervening 16 years between her first, you know, oh, well, we didn't even touch on that as the, the other tragedy that is around Celeste's life. The day she's shooting her first music video is like 9 11. Yes. Oh, they added that. Yes. Because yes, she's that like, yes, that there, was, there was that too of just like, I mean, a woman it, who's cursed. This is like tragedy porn. Yes. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately. Yes. yes. So, you know, I, yeah. and I don't think that's what he set out to make. No. I don't think that's what he's trying to say. I think he's no. trying to make a statement about trauma. Yes. And, and, and the echoes of trauma in someone's life and how unfortunate it feels when these things, when you're beset by these things and how it can mess with your head. But it comes off just totally in a, it, like you're not sure how to take it, and that's yeah. it's it, it, it's hard to do in a movie like this. Yes, it is. So again, I I saw some more threads on a second viewing, but I I had hoped that it was going to come together. I'm glad you. Did. I had hoped it was going to come together more because I I really wanted to. You know, there's so many reasons why this movie should have worked for me, and yet I have to admit it still is a, a struggle, and it's it's just going to be a one of those films that I say. I had hoped better for you, child, but you will be that thing, and I will appreciate you for what you are, and and leave you right with that. So, <laughs> that's a good way to say. So it. that's that's a, that's our tragic singers, aspiring singers, tragic singers series, Wild Rose and Vox Lux, available on on Hulu. So I think we've got one as a recommend, and one as a yeah, not for everybody. Not for everyone. It's no. a good way to say it. All right. Well, this was a uh, I. Glad we, you know, tackled this series again. It, it, these feel like uh, right there where we should be with the trailer rewind films, and I, I had a great time talking about these. And hopefully, at least both of us got a couple of songs to add to our our playlists out of this series. I love it. All right, thanks, JJ. See ya. Thank you for listening to Trailer Rewind. If anything we said here entertained, educated, or even enraged you, we'd like you to tell people about this podcast. Whatever your listening platform is, please share, rate, or write a short review. It helps other podcast listeners find us. If you enjoy connecting with other film fans, you can become a member of our community on Discord. It's free, and there's always an interesting dialogue or debate to jump into. You can also financially support us on Patreon. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive Discord channels, the opportunity to chat with us live before we record an episode, and the warm feeling you get knowing you are contributing support to the behind-the-scenes resources that help everyone here at the Next Real Family of Podcasts. So please, join us on Discord or become a Patreon supporter. Either way, we would love to have you be part of our community. Hondo!
I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.